listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are talking about The Lighthouse from 2019, directed by Robert Eggers, written by Robert and Max Eggers, starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. This is a movie where isolation slowly takes its toll on two lighthouse keepers on a remote island in the late 1800s. This is Robert Eggers' much-anticipated follow-up to 2015's The Witch. And uh, only having released one movie, he's kind of already in the conversation of these modern masters of horror, along with uh, Jordan Peele and Ari Aster. And I think... Regardless of how either of us feel about this movie, Ashvin, I think he's kind of cemented that status with this one. It seems to have gotten pretty solid reception. Yeah, definitely. Between The Witch and this one, yeah, he's, he's kind of hitting it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, it's got like a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes for critics, and I think the users are at like 70%. Mm-hmm. Interesting to put uh, talk about those three directors, because yeah, both of, or all three of them kind of have emerged in like the last two, three years just have, like, two films under them, and yet they're so, like, different from each other. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, to talk about somebody being, like, the new, a new master of horror when they've only got two movies. Yeah. I think it speaks to just, like, kind of how stylized and, like, how uh, unique these guys are, maybe. Yeah. And and they've, like, kind of crafted, like, a new uh, type of movie in a way or a new type of uh, dynamic or feel that's, like, their signature in a way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you think of Hereditary, Get Out, and The Witch, just their first, all of their first outings, like, those are all very distinctive movies. And they all are on many people's list of, like, this is the best movie of the past 10 years, best horror yeah. movie. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I guess I get it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It kind of makes me wonder, though, uh, what happened to, like, the director for The Babadook, I think that was, like, one of their first ones. Or, like, where does that leave someone like Krasinski on, um, with uh, A Quiet Place, you know? Uh, like, are these guys going to come back and also uh, take up the throne again, or are they kind of one and done? Yeah, yeah, I mean, some of them might just be a little bit, uh, have a bit of a longer game, too. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm excited, too, for us as we... As most of our regular listeners know, we are constantly trying to push our status from noob to nerd, but I think we're probably still leaning slow, <laughs> slightly closer to nerd or in the middle. But um, just I'm excited to see more of the like quote unquote masters of horror, like Wes Craven and John Carpenter, and see how we feel about their entire catalogs. Right, compared to like the the modern day. Um. Yeah, compared to modern day and just in general, like to think about what gets somebody that that status, you know, mm-hmm. like sure. John Carpenter has the thing in Halloween, like two movies alone that would be enough. Like if those came out today, they'd be right. He'd be right here in these, this conversation, like two incredible movies. But then he's got some stuff that, in my opinion, of what I've seen, it's just like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> so is it volume? Yeah. Is it just the impact of a couple of movies or is it? a combination of both right yeah what what makes someone a master of this genre yeah uh would you say like this more modern era and like these directors now uh and with like the lighthouse like are we in a phase now where things are trending more towards like the psychological uh versus um you know like slashers or ghost stories or supernatural 
I don't know, man. That's a good question. I mean, The Witch, I think you could call it psychological. Lighthouse was, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I don't think Hereditary really was. Nor was Midsommar. Uh, well, you know, even Hereditary, like, yeah, at the end it's a ghost story, but, like, if you think about, like, where the movie's focused, I feel like a lot of it is, like, the psychological journeys these characters are taking. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. And, and like... Us, I, I feel like uh, was that maybe not Get Out, but yeah, I, I I just feel like that there's more emphasis these days on like the the with these like leading directors on um, characters and like their psychological breakdowns or whatever. Yeah, that might be true. And when I think about uh, I can't remember the character's name or the actor's name now. The the oldest, the son in Hereditary, he definitely has some psychological oh, yeah. horror moments in that movie. Right, mm-hmm. like in the classroom. But yeah, so this is a psychological horror, a period piece, just like The Witch. Apparently takes place in the 1890s. Dude, I felt like I was reading a work of classic fiction for the first half of this movie. Oh my god, I know the language in this one. Uh, and it was inspired by like some diaries or poems that he found from that time period, I think. Yeah. Yep, uh, so I mean, they, yeah. they really tried to stay true to the, the dialect, um, and it was... Mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive. Herman Melville was cited as an influence for the dialogue, and uh, yeah, some poet named poet slash novelist from Maine named Sarah Ohm Jewett, mm-hmm. who I had never heard of. But yeah, and I would say that's like on par with the witch. Even the witch had like great uh, like period uh, dialogue, right? That... Stuff lifted from from like pieces of of literature or, or writings from that period of time. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty pretty cool to see that script come to life. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, regardless of how you feel about that as a viewer and like how that affects your viewing experience, it's it's truly something, and I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Even though yeah. in The Witch I like sometimes can't understand half of what's being said. <laughs> I know. The, when, when I watched it at home, I had the subtitles on, and I like caught so much more. Yeah. <laughs> I think I missed a lot the first time. Uh, um, so how about this aspect ratio, man? <laughs> yeah, about that. It's like a box. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about that? Not to get, jump right into a review, but. You know, I thought it was really cool. Like while I was sitting in the theater watching it and like, you know, you have some people's heads in front of you and that going on on the screen, it did kind of feel like a really old timey kind of vibe that like you're watching like this film reel basically of like, uh, almost like from, uh, like an eight millimeter or something. Uh, it, it just gave that like really home uh, and old style kind of feel. Right what, what, right. what did you think? You know, I didn't, I mean, I appreciate it, I guess, but also the theater I went to is kind of old, so the screen's not as big in general. Yeah. So I had yeah. a hard time seeing a little bit. Oh, because yeah, it was so narrow. I think I'm just getting old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, ended up being kind of a small screen in general because the theater already had a small screen and then this only takes up like, half or a third of the space yeah when it started i thought that was kind of awkward like you got so much blank screen on each side yeah it's weird yeah i was like is this gonna be the whole movie but um for those who haven't seen it the aspect ratio is 1.19 to 1 so it was pretty much a square yeah um i think apparently they had the script for this before the witch mm-hmm. happened did, so did uh i know like uh was, was it his brother that wrote it or they wrote it together they wrote it together, and that was the first time his brother, from anything I saw on IMDb at least, the first time he wrote anything. Mm-hmm. 
She's pretty yeah. impressive. That is that is really impressive. What I mean, like, does it kind of feel like someone just got really into like eighteen nineties or whatever uh, era, like writing, and just like kind of wrote a story about it? Is that what happened here? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like, I love this this era. Let's let's write a story on it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, dude, the guy that scored this, his name's Mark Corvin, and he also scored The Witch. Mm-hmm. It, so the score to this kind of sounded like whale sounds or like a submarine or a tugboat or something. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this dude, with the help of a guitar maker named Tony Duggan-Smith, invented a musical instrument called the Apprehension Engine. Wow. It's like basically made to score horror movies. Oh my god. Uh, what what does it look like? Like, is it a string instrument? Yeah, it's kind of like a lap steel looking thing. I'd encourage anybody to YouTube the apprehension engine and see how it works. Does it sound like pretty spooky? Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. That's you awesome. can definitely, when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense that the guy that scored The Witch in the Lighthouse made this thing. Oh man, and like, uh, like after YouTubing it, like, can you tell like that the, the, it was used in The Witch and The Lighthouse? You know what, man? I did not see that he actually used it to score either of these movies. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm not so sure that he did. Man, if there was any ever a time to use like an apprehension machine, right? <laughs> these movies would have been it. <laughs> Maybe he did. I just, I couldn't find that info anywhere. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, did you read that this was? I got the impression, at least, that this was loosely based on a real-life incident where mm-hmm. two lighthouse keepers, like, tended to quarrel and one of them died in a freak accident. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, was that in the U.S.? Uh, I can't remember where that was. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of loosely based on a, a story where, yeah, two guys, uh, they, I'm like, they found them dead, right? Two lighthouse guys? I think only one of them was dead. The guy who died in a freak accident, the dude, like, put him in a coffin and tied him to a rock and put him in the ocean, maybe? Oh, wow. Okay. And so his coffin was just, like, bouncing around in the waves, and his hand came out and looked like it was, like, beckoning to him. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it may have driven him slightly insane. Yeah, that would do it. This is what I read, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I thought the origin of this uh, story, um, that, like, even, like, when they started writing it, like, uh, the, the first draft or whatever, it was, uh, there were rumors, like, it was supposed to be more of a ghost story, but... Um, you know, I, I don't know if that that actually came to life, but did, did you read anything about that? I can't remember if I read that or not, but yeah, uh, kind of, there was a supernatural element to it, but it was, there was a lot in this movie that it was unclear what was actually happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really weird that I, I feel like The Witch was kind of, uh, you know, like a, an, an artsy movie and like not very mainstream and, you know, kind of challenging. Uh, and it's kind of amazing that this film like somehow makes the witch seem more like contemporary and pop and mainstream. Right. <laughs> Afterwards, I was like, "Oh, the, the witch is a pretty straightforward narrative." <laughs> yeah, I know that movie made so much more sense. Yeah. Uh, hey, wasn't wasn't this guy supposed to be working on Nosferatu? Yeah, I think that is tabled. Okay. Um, I haven't heard any like updates about that, but yeah, he was going to be working on Nosferatu with Anya Taylor Joy. Um, yeah, but he's currently working on a drama called The Northman, uh, which is like a Viking revenge story with the Skarsgård brothers and Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm sure that will be cool. I'm not sure if it's 
horror or not. It didn't look like it, but yeah, I do really want to see it. I know Sferatu remake. Yeah, him. I know. Yeah, I feel like this guy would make it pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man. So budget reported number is greater than four million, whatever that means. Um, mm-hmm. and then it's got like seven million at the box office as we're recording this on November fifth. It's been out like two weeks. Yeah, it was weird. They released it on October 18th, but it seemed like it was just a few theaters, and then they did a wider release after that. Yeah, and it's still not, like, playing everywhere, at least in Chicago. Is it playing everywhere out there? Uh, it was only playing in one theater in Asheville, and uh, yeah. our our Discord server buddy Blake is was has been super excited for this movie, and it's not playing anywhere near him. He just oh, like, can't see it. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, so so it's not... I guess maybe it's considered a wide release, but it's not super wide. Yeah, yeah. It's I can't remember what the threshold is there. It's something like 600 theaters to be considered a wide release. Okay. Yeah, um, I, 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 I could see it like yeah, getting a pretty big following, especially with the reviews it's getting. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you read also that this is kind of about uh, two characters from Greek mythology? Yeah, uh, was it Prometheus? Prometheus and Proteus. Right. Yeah. Do you do you buy into that? I mean, I, I know uh, there were some examples of parallels between those two. Um, do you, you think that's true? I think Robert Eggers came out and said it. Oh, okay. But I'm not really smart enough to say anything else about it because I'm <laughs> I do not know my Greek mythology. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so somehow, yeah, yeah. I guess these two characters and like one's kind of supposed to be like is it is it Poseidon? Is yeah, um, Proteus is an old prophetic sea god. Um, oh, okay, yep. I think, was Poseidon the Greek god or... Oh, God. Yeah. I don't want to embarrass myself, but yeah. So one's supposed to represent a sea god, like the old man of the sea, and that's uh, Willem Dafoe's character. Right. And then um, Winslow represents Prometheus, a trickster figure who defies the gods by stealing fire. Got it. So... Yeah. yeah, no, I guess and that's the fire could be represented by the light of the lighthouse. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, it, this movie definitely has a lot of layers and uh, calls calls into play a lot of uh, elements that are out there already. It's definitely one that begs to be viewed a second time. Yeah. If not if you... for enjoyment, just to figure out what the hell just happened. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess if if you have the stomach for it. <laughs> Boy. This is going to be an episode that makes everybody hate us, isn't it? I, <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of good things to say about this movie. but Yeah, likewise. likewise. <laughs> um, speaking of lighthouses, the Marblehead Lighthouse on uh, Lake Erie, on the Ohio Lake Erie shore, is the oldest lighthouse in continuous operation on all the Great Lakes. Oh, cool. Where is that in uh, on Lake Erie? Like, do you know which part of ohio uh i think it's like western central shoreline northern shoreline obviously yeah yeah maybe like towards toledo or something yeah yeah i think a little bit east of toledo okay yeah built in 1821 nice yeah there's some really cool lighthouses around the uh the great lakes yeah i need to do some great lakes tourism i never really did that when i lived in ohio yeah, I know. Me neither. I never went to Putin Bay. You ever go to Putin Bay? No, my mom goes there all the time, though. Yeah, it's supposed to be amazing. 
yeah. Yeah, it's a, a dream to uh, drop our kids off with my parents and then me and the <laughs> wife do a getaway there. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to see up there. Yeah. All right, man, well, do you have any other background on this movie before we dip into the plot? I know there's a lot of stuff. Um, no, I think that's that's everything I had. All right. Well, let's get into the thick of it, but uh, before we do that, I'm going to be right back. I just found this figurine tucked away in my mattress, and I've got to uh, got to go do something. Oh, cool. Sure. Cool. All right, I'll be right back. All right. Okay, man, I'm back. I'm feeling a little bit more relaxed. Oh, good. Yeah, what did you end up doing? Oh, you know, just spend some quality time with this figurine. Oh, yeah, I think that's what figurines are for. Yeah, I forgot I made a figurine of you a few years back and tucked (laughs) it away in my mattress. (laughs) Just keeping it safe. (laughs) Yeah. Putting it to good use. Uh, Okay, so, God in heaven, bear with me as I describe a plot I don't even understand. (laughs) Uh, good luck. So, Robert Pattinson Pattinson plays Ephraim 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 Winslow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he arrives at this remote island where he's going to be working for four weeks as a lighthouse keeper under this old grouchy dude named Thomas Wake, and that is Willem Dafoe. He finds a hole in his cot, and inside there's this little statuette of a mermaid. Um, he soon learns that the last dude who was in this job went crazy and died, and he spoke of mer-creatures as he was kind of going insane. So that could have something to do with this mermaid statuette in his cot. Uh, so plot goes on, and a frame is essentially Thomas's bitch and has to do all the work around the lighthouse, and Thomas doesn't let him go up in the tower with the actual light. Only Thomas can do that. And a frame sees him go up there at night and, like, stripping naked... And meanwhile, Frame is constantly just masturbating to the statuette. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of scenes of that. Yeah. <laughs> like half the movie was, maybe it was just a shot or two, but if I'm, in my brain, in my mind's eye, half the movie is Robert Pattinson masturbating. Yeah. I, I think that just sticks with you. For a while. Yeah. And he's uh, seeing like images of his, uh, of, <laughs> of like tentacles and a mermaid. Yeah, um, he like, he stumbles across a mermaid, but I, I guess like you, we assume it's like a dream, right? Yeah, there's a lot of this movie where you're not totally sure if it's a dream or what, but it does seem like it's a dream that he comes across this mermaid, like a body washed up on shore. Yeah, and he starts filling it up. Yeah, yeah. So that happens. There's yeah, right. Why did you start filling it up? <laughs> Find a it? dead woman's body and start filling it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I think, uh, like part of like what's like uh, really heavy, like in these like first, uh, like few scenes and like the, the opening sequences is just like how, uh, uh, like, d- uh, distant the two characters are from each other and like the, the, the loneliness and like the isolation around them. Um, yep. and so you kind of get like, I, I kind of got like a strong feeling from like their early onset that like, these are two like very like kind of lonely people. Yeah, the dynamic between the two of them was really interesting. Um, they had great chemistry, like, or great anti-chemistry, I guess. Yeah. Like, you could really feel the tension. And honestly, this 
this movie felt like literature to me because I did think the dialogue was really great mm-hmm. and the acting was incredible. Like, I just, it felt real to me. Yeah, yeah. And nuanced and not overly obvious. Right. And, and um, like, Defoe's, like, delivery of, like, these lines and, like, the, 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 like the, the fights that they were having or that tension there just, like, felt, like, really real the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of like one of those movies where people are, like, you can see the spit come out of their mouths as they talk yeah. and they're, like, drooling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not, like, holding back at all. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, the, the night before he finds the body, the, the fairy is supposed to pick them up. It's like the end of their four weeks. And they've got kind of like a love-hate relationship. They do have some moments where they like bond a little bit. Mm-hmm. Seems like especially when Willem Dafoe's character is drunk, right. which he often is. Um, but the night before the fairy's supposed to pick them up, they get a terrible storm hits and they get super wasted. He wakes up to find the body and touches base with Thomas to find out that the ferry never came and the storm has damaged their rations. Mm-hmm. They try to find some backup rations and instead find a bunch of alcohol. And for me, this is where the movie starts to become what feels like a giant drunken hallucination. Yeah. Like it gets more comedic maybe too. Uh, it- like you get scenes of them like slow dancing together and just being like lonely and weird and like spilling their guts to each other. Yeah. Spilling yeah. their beans. I kind of felt like it turns into like a half hour of just like two guys getting really drunk and like going back and forth between like having a good time together and then you're like yelling at each other and that just like keeps going on for a while. Right, right. And you kind of lose track as, of time as the viewer and then Thomas, Willem Dafoe's character, implies that a frame has also lost track of time. Like, yeah. Like if that was yesterday and a frame thinks it was like a week or two ago or something. And, and then he'll also state things like, uh, he'll say like a frame did these things when we like saw on scream that uh, Thomas did them, right? Yeah, yep. So, so, yeah. Yeah, you're kind of, it's clear either a frame is losing his grip on reality or Thomas is trying to confuse him. Yeah, like manipulate him or something. Yeah. I guess, yeah, throughout the movie, I think you're trusting uh, a frame more, I guess, and, and you're kind of like suspicious of... Um, Thomas, right? Yeah, I think a frame is meant to be the main character and the one whose whose shoes you are in. Like, mm-hmm. you see him toiling and doing all this work while Thomas does nothing. Yeah, yep. You kind of feel for him. Mm-hmm. Um. So, a frame eventually reveals in drunkenness that his real name is Tom. And then when he was a timberman, he witnessed an accident about to take place and purposely didn't stop it. The dude died because he didn't like this dude, and then he took the identity of the man that died. Yep. So now the characters are Tom and Thomas to make things more confusing, so maybe I'll just <laughs> refer to them as Defoe and Pattinson from here on out. Yeah. But uh, one night, Robert Pattinson tries to escape on this little boat, and Thomas chases him with an axe, destroys the boat, and starts chasing him. And then later on, this is one of those things where you don't know what was what. Defoe claims it was Pattinson who was actually attacking him with the axe. Mm-hmm. And so you're starting to wonder about Pattinson's men- mental state, like what's real, what's not. And if I hadn't already hit it at this point in the movie, this is the point where I was just like, okay, I have no idea <laughs> what's, what's actually happening. Yeah. 
because uh, because there are all these scenes of like Pattinson like uh, like walking around and like yeah, seeing mermaids, seeing like dead uh, like a head in like a cage. Um, yeah, oh yeah, he finds like a head in the in the water supply or something. He thinks he's like being taunted by like a one-eyed seagull, right? Uh, that he kills. Uh, yeah, he's so uh, yeah, I think you're right. every three shots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and there's like the scene where uh, he's like looking up at Defoe when Defoe's like in the lighthouse, and he like thinks he like sees like a tentacle or something or like a tail and some things drop. So yeah, yeah I, I kind of get like yeah, I think by this point you're like, well, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. So it's all this like tension between the two of them, and Pattinson doesn't know what's going on. You don't know if Defoe's trying to confuse him, and then yeah, interspliced is like mermaid tentacleness. Yeah, masturbating. Right. Um, so Pattinson eventually finds Defoe's logbook where he's written that Pattinson has done a horrible job and should have his wages docked, and Pattinson loses. Pattinson loses it and like beats the crap out of him. And he drags his body to this hole that he's dug and starts burying him alive. Mm-hmm. This is incredible acting by Willem Dafoe. Oh my, yeah, like he's while that stuff's literally like... getting dirt. He's like, I wanted to know how they shot this and couldn't find anything because it really seems as if he's getting buried alive. Like, yeah, dangerousness well, he... is like happening on set. I know, because he's like talking, right? And like that, like that dirt's like going in his face and on his mouth and everything. And he's just. Yeah, he's giving this big grand soliloquy and doing a great job of it while dirt is literally like filling his mouth. Yeah. It's so weird. It's crazy. Nuts. Yeah. Um, so he does that. He buries him up. It's presumed that he's dead now or he'll suffocate soon. Pattinson goes and steals his keys to go into the lighthouse because he's never been allowed in there. And then out of nowhere comes Willem Dafoe and with an axe, and he hits Pattinson, and which at this point I was like, wait, wasn't he dead or was that imagined or what? <laughs> yeah. They get into a fight. Pattinson finally kills him, presumably, and then makes his way to the lighthouse, stares into the light, and just sees some crazy shit. We don't see what he sees. And he looks like he's starting to lose his marbles. He screams and falls down all the steps to the lighthouse. And then the final shot is him, like, in the open sunlight on the shore with his eyes pecked out as seagulls eat his innards, and he's, like, still alive and, like, barely moving. Yeah. Yeah, nice nice summary. That was a good recap. All right, thanks, man. I was a little stressed (laughs) about it. Yeah, that's, that's good. That, that, that's a hard one to recap because yeah, there's so many uh, diversions in that film. So many things happen that like you're not sure like where it falls into the plot. And then they're all like uh, that whole timing aspect, like where yeah, you don't know like how many nights or things have gone on for, and they're like like three or four like drunken nights of like repetitiveness and just like long speeches. Uh, it's kind of hard to like string it all together. Yeah, like reading it, the plot, reading back what I've written, I'm like maybe it's more straightforward than I think. Uh, like, I think you I think you edited it down a lot though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of a lot of stuff to sort through in your brain as you're watching it. Yeah. Yeah. And even then now that I read it I don't know like what was in the lighthouse was there something really to be seen there that that Defoe knew about and was keeping to himself. Mhm. And did Pattinson go insane when he saw it and was Pattinson already going insane because just from being near to it or or whatever. Right. Um, right. 
Yeah. It did it, seem like Pattinson was losing his mind. Yeah. I, I think as the viewer, you like don't know what was real. There isn't like any compass here on like what, what what was reality versus what wasn't like was Pattinson even like a good worker or like this honest guy that you kind of like thought he was uh, because he kind of loses it pretty quickly as soon as he starts drinking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he goes from and like he's zero really to resistant to drinking at first. Yeah, he's like this really quiet, like timid guy in the beginning who like barely talks or converses. And suddenly like he kind of explodes like as the movie gets towards the end. Yeah. Um there's this approach that movies taken that I've seen like people defending it on Letterboxd. Gosh, somebody like wrote that they didn't like this movie and then got a whole bunch of shit <laughs> from a bunch of conceited people. But they were like, hey, it's like meant to be disorienting. Like it's meant to, he's going crazy. So you're supposed to experience that too. Yeah. I, per, personally, I don't love that when a movie does that. I, maybe like, that makes me kind of like dumb or shallow, but I kind of want to know what's going on. Like a, a little bit of open to endedness is fine. Yeah. But when reality is so blurred like this, I'm just kind of like, I don't even necessarily care what happens anymore because yeah <laughs> who knows what's even real at this point i know like yeah you lose your whole grounding you don't know where to be vested anymore uh i i, I think there is a fine balance there like it's it's one thing to like witness a character and like be in their shoes as they're like, kind of losing their shit and their sense of reality but as a viewer i feel like uh there's a lot of value to like you know still having a sense of like what what actually happened or where, where things ended yeah yeah I, I don't remember if you said exactly this phrase or not but that kind of like puts the finger on it for me like i want to have a foot on the ground at least yeah um cam is a movie that i felt did it well you remember that one um yeah yeah i think so uh, where that, it's like kind of psychological horror and all this weird shit is happening to the main character and you're like what is actually going on but mm-hmm. you're never like so absolutely lost or lose track of reality to the point where you give up yeah, and, and like I feel like at the end of a movie like that, um, you still have some questions that like work as good debate questions or like how people interpreted it, but you also still kind of feel like you have a sense of like what the plot was and how it how it progressed. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't you also say like the witch for for some uh for, for, yeah it, to some degree kind of did the same thing where throughout the whole movie you don't know if there's a witch there and people are going crazy and you don't know what's real what isn't. Um, but still, like, at the end, there's, like, a point of clarity, like, you know what's happened, what's transpired, and who's dead, and who's alive. Um, I, yeah, I and with The Witch, I feel like there's one or two ways to interpret that movie. Like, yeah. I don't know if you remember that listener mail from our friend Scott. Right. Who interpreted it all as a dream. Yeah, a, a drug-induced dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I and mean, a case could be made. Um, and maybe that's the same with this. Maybe there's just one or two ways to look at it. Like either a frame just completely went crazy because the isolation got to him or there really was something supernatural about the lighthouse. Right. And Defoe was the only one who could essentially handle it without losing his mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, is there a third option where like Defoe is like this villain who's manipulating this guy who's come to work with him as he did with his previous, uh, you know, hand or whatever. Um, yeah, sure, and, why not? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah maybe, I, there, maybe anything's up in the air. The fourth option would be that um, a frame masturbated himself to death. <laughs> yeah, these are the downs, the risks of masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, this this was a hard one because uh, yeah, I think I had the same problems you did. I couldn't tell like the timing or like the the, the linear plot line. Like it felt you you never knew what was actually happening versus not happening. What was imagined, what wasn't imagined. Um, but then at the same time, like you have like some of the best acting I've seen on on a film. Like I mean, have you seen better than this? No, I haven't. Like there is no technical aspect of this movie that can be knocked. Yeah. Yeah. Like regardless of how I felt about it with my simpleton brain, it's incredible. Like yeah. the dialogue, I especially loved the dialogue. Like I really oh, yeah. felt like I was reading an old classic book. Mhm. Um it was just like I want to call it beautiful. Like Yeah, it was like poetry. Yeah, it really was, but also grounded enough in reality that it didn't feel like you were watching some like grandiose stage play or something like that. Yeah, and I think that was a lot of, like, the way they delivered the lines. Like, it was, like, so almost natural versus, like, oh, they're trying to, you know, like, like it didn't feel, like, very jarring or anything. Yeah. Uh, I think A24, hmm, I don't know who does the submitting on this, but I think Robert Pattinson is being submitted as best actor for the what? best Pattinson? actor consideration. I thought Defoe, like, kind of outshined Pattinson. You didn't think so? Boy, I don't know. I think Pattinson maybe has the edge. It's hard to say. They both did such a great job. Uh, you know, the, the people I saw it with had some critiques on Pattinson saying like his accent might've been all over the place. Whereas like Defoe's accent the whole time was kind of like on key. Uh, you, you didn't feel that way at all? Um, there were times I noticed Pattinson's accent more than others, Mm -hmm. but I think the times it was more noticeable was when he was more drunk, which I think I've seen in real life people get. Their like hometown accent oh, sure. is like more in force when they're when they're drunk. Yeah, um, yeah. And Maine or like New England in general has some strange accents. So I kind of thought when he was speaking with a th- when I noticed his accent, it was a fairly m- accurate Maine accent. Mm-hmm. But gosh, I remember when Kelly and I hiked the AT. I didn't even know people from Maine had an accent. But when we got to Maine, I was just like, "What the fuck are these people talking?" About? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Be unprepared for that. Yeah. 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 No, I'm with you. Yeah. The, uh, the dialogue, the acting, all, all pretty amazing. Uh, I thought the sound design also was like incredible. Like that foghorn that opens up the film and the music. Uh, yeah. All of that was like done really well. Yeah. The sound design and the score were incredible. Mm hmm. Um, the depictions of like the mermaid and at certain points, like you see tentacles um, and like the seagull, like some of the imagery, again, I think was also done pretty well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah you're, you're right. Like technically, like this was like an amazing film. Yeah, I, and I've seen every once in a while I'll see somebody call it pretentious. What What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I would agree. It, it's kind of like one of those artsy fartsy films. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I it's tough because like I totally get it, but like I do feel like the deliberate choices that were made worked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Part of me wants to be like, yeah, that aspect ratio is kind of pretentious. But <laughs> if you want to be a creative and make a choice to shoot a movie a certain way or display a movie a certain way, I guess you should be able to without being called pretentious. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not sure it added too much. I mean, it was like kind of a cool effect. Um, but it might have been unnecessary. But uh, yeah, I guess it created its own um, characteristic for the film. Yeah, and I think Eggers thought it might add to the uh, claustrophobia, and like he's like, we've got such two great faces here. I just want to be focused on them without seeing what else is in the shot. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, right. Which I get it. it. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and dude, the lighting they did similar to what they did with the witch. They tried to use as much uh, like natural light sources as they could. Oh, and it it shows. It's just like a very dark, dimly lit movie. It feels very old timey. Like you can see still, but. Mm-hmm. The way the light hits everybody, it really does feel like you're in this 1890s lighthouse with yeah. candlelight. Yeah, it felt really natural. It's amazing they built this lighthouse specifically for the film. It wasn't like an old lighthouse or anything. Yeah, apparently every structure you see was built built for the movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, they definitely got like the, the yeah every, everything from the, like the the production, the cinematography, everything. They they, they nailed it. I mean, that's like some of the best stuff I've seen. Yeah. Well, but, and. Uh, this oh, takes ahead. us to good. No, you go ahead before uh, I go on my little spiel. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, I, I kind of feel like we're saying, like, you know, every, everything on paper here was like amazing and well done. Uh, but yeah, I guess what, like when we get to like the actual story and like the effectiveness of it, like, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, man, I, I think this is where it gets tough because it's like, as just two guys talking about movies on our tiny podcast, I feel like I can give a movie however many stars I personally feel about it, but... I think so. I don't know if that's, like, an accurate representation of the movie or even fair. Uh, I I do feel like the story was so... The character dynamics were great, but the story itself was just not my... I don't know. It just went so off the rails that I lost interest. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I kind of feel like this could have been uh, 20 minutes to a half hour shorter. Uh, especially I was with, checking my watch, I'll be honest, by the end. Yeah, yeah, me too. I was getting kind of bored. Especially, like, uh, once they start drinking, there's just, like, a full, like, half hour or hour of, like, just, like, they get really drunk at night, and then in the daytime, that's they get this friction, and then at night they get really drunk, and they're all friends again, and then the daytime, it's, like, weird, and then they, they got kind of repetitive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, it did get repetitive. And it, after a while, it was almost not adding much. Yeah, yeah. Like we There was it. a decent amount of comedy there, like, just like with Defoe being this old grumpy guy who's farting a lot and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Or him, like, uh, getting covered in shit when he tries to throw all this shit out. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it, it did seem to go on too long for me, and especially... I feel like once you're losing track of what reality is, you kind of like got to wrap it up quick. Yeah, you don't have a for, long window to drag that out there. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it just starts to become too much for me. And a lot of people did not feel that way because people love this movie. But. Yeah, people loved it. Uh, and you know, I, I had that criticism too. Like, I, I don't feel like there was like a strong enough plot. Uh, and yeah, I get it. At the end of the day, it's like two people and their mental breakdown. Uh, and who knows, like, what the implications, meanings are, like, what what's in the lighthouse or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, given the pacing and everything, uh, to, like, go have such a minimal plot for, like, that length of time and have so much of it be, like, so abstract, um, I, yeah, I think that's a gamble. And um, I think you disconnect with a lot of the audience that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like the plot on paper, but, mm-hmm. yeah, so much of it was so abstract that I, I lost, I couldn't see through the fog, kind of. Yeah, you needed a lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, I got some lighthouse imagery in there. Yeah, I need someone to tell me what the hell, what the hell's going on here. Yeah. Well, zero to five full chamber pots. What do you give this? Man, this one's so hard. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like this is midsummer all over again. We're, I know, man. <laughs> we're like 0 for 2 this year on this one. Yeah. <laughs> I fully expect at least one bad review to come in. Yeah. I, I hope we praised enough about the movie, though. Like, I can't really, like, call out anybody who loved it, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. Cause it's just my own personal taste in movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, I would say like five based on like all the technical elements and like the acting, the dialogue, the performances, uh, the sound design, incredible, but like the story just kind of lost me and, and dragged on. And so that part would probably be like a, a two for me. So I guess I would take the average of that and yeah, maybe end up like around a three, three and a half, three and a half I'll go with. Okay. What about you? Dude, when I watched this, I gave it a two and a half. Uh-huh. I think it's a three, because um, I was for the good sh- for the first half hour. I was like, "This is awesome!" Like I'm enamored. Yeah. Um, but then by the end, I was like, "There was definitely a part where I was like angry." I was just like, "All right." Yeah. Like, yeah. Wrap this up. I want to go home. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I have to give it a three. I'm gonna bump the two and a half up to a three. Yeah. Again, really hard to rate. Like I just don't like when a movie gets that disorienting right per yeah. personal taste i can fully admit that it's probably because i have a fairly simple brain and i want fairly simple things from my movies but mm-hmm. but these are my feelings <laughs> no yeah I'm, I'm with you man uh, especially in a horror film uh like I'm, I'm open for like some uh you know like abstractness or like some interpretation and i feel like the witch had a great balance of that right uh, right but this one might have been too much for me just want to be able to, I, I'm open for that too, but yeah, I just would like to keep like one foot on the ground. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. Well, we're going to piss a lot of people off. Kyle already texted me that I should watch this on a plane. And I think that's a, <laughs> a jab at how I liked uh, Tusk because I watched it on a plane. Uh, Kyle's on our Discord server now too. So I already knew going into this that you had some mixed feelings because oh. <laughs> he wanted to go on there and vent. But... <laughs> All right. I'll have to check out his comments. Yeah. Uh, I think he called you a coward for not coming forward and debating with him on the Discord server. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll get on there. I'll take him yeah. on. <laughs> we got to, maybe I'll set up a specific channel to talk about this movie because we've got to, we've got to protect Blake who really wants to see this but can't. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay, man. Well, uh, anything else before we start closing up shop here? Uh, no, that's all I got. All right. Well, that is all for our discussion on The Lighthouse, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it, or at least we came off as slightly respectable. Um, If you did like it, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps other people find us and makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. You can find our social links at our website, horrormovieclub.com. We've got a Discord server where we're talking to some friends, some strangers, some listeners, some just people who want to hang out and talk. Uh, that is in our social icons on our website Um, let's see what else we announced next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter if you want to follow us there our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart so check her out on Etsy.com we have a Patreon page patreon.com slash horror movie club if you want to throw us a buck every month you get access to some bonus content which I've been slacking on but can hopefully pick up again soon And until next time, if you're going to be stranded on an island for four weeks, maybe bring some of whatever was considered porn in the 1890s so you don't go insane.